But we're talking about unexpected but cherished gifts. Can I draw a distinction here about cherished gifts and and that between unexpected and cherished gifts? I have on me three cherished gifts, but one was not uh, unexpected. The tie that you're looking at is a very, 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 very special tie. It became, uh, a, I became aware of this tie at a white elephant gift exchange about 20 years ago. No, about 30 years ago. Um, the, the idea is you bring everything that you hate, everything you'll never wear again, and you put it, you wrap it up, and you hope somebody else will like it. Well, it was opened up at the White Elephant Gifts Exchange, and I saw it, and I said, I got to have that. I didn't have any Christmas ties, especially ridiculous ones. So I set my sight on that, and I put myself in a very conniving way in the place where I knew I could get it. You see, the rules of that gift exchange are it can only be shifted three times. In other words, there can only be three owners in that time, and then it's safe. So I figured that guy wants it and that guy wants it and I'm going to be behind them. I used uh, The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. I used negotiations. I, I, I used every bit of compet- uh, competitiveness in me. I, I placed myself on the right. I was even deceptive. I wanted this tie. I'm wearing it, aren't I? And yet... When you look at this tie, the thing that I would have to say is, I earned it. It's cherished, but I worked really hard for this thing. Now, in comparison, I have in my hands two things. About also, probably 25 to 30 years ago, Barb hit the jackpot with me. These were not things that I wrote down on a list and say, I'd really appreciate that. But these instead are things in which she said, you know, Jim has often mentioned this. Let me share them with you. This one's a coffee mug. I had just finished the, the, the Shiraz series of the Civil War. And this is a coffee mug of Colonel Chamberlain's charge down Little Round Top. Now, history says that he is, uh, uh, well, he's not, he wasn't near as perfect as the movie made him out to be. But still... Uh, this probably won the Battle of Gettysburg on that day. The second thing, and you know, because I had just read the story in Killer Angels, I, I really cherished it when Barb found it in a gift store and said, that's exactly what Jim would want. This is a picture of the San Clemente Pier, and about 100 yards this way, uh, I caught the perfect wave body surfing as a young seminary student. Uh, I was with about six or seven water polo players, high school water polo players, and they're much better swimmers than me. But together, we found ourselves in that same wave. We never hit the white water. We were always in the curl, always in the swell. And we shot down about 100 yards, all over, just about all the way to the pier. When it was over, we all looked at each other, and we just couldn't stop. You know, being excited and almost dancing. You can't dance in water, but um, it, it was really quite special. Now, the reason I bring these in front of you is when I go shopping, um, I say, give me your list. Uh, and then I decide, okay, I've got this much time to achieve that list. And I decide whether I'm going to do it online 
or actually go to a store, and I make sure that I get it done. And I get it done in that amount of time. For me, it's a task. When Barb goes shopping, it's a labor of love. And often she comes up with these things that I go, how did you find this? Where did you possibly? How? It's perfect. And I can honestly say, Barb, it's exactly what I never thought I wanted. (laughs) But it's wonderful. I write down the things that I want. Well, I don't know about you, but are you a get-or-done person? Or you are a labor of love type of shopper? I felt very much loved because it was unexpected and now many, many years later they're still cherished. In fact, you want to use that mug? You ask permission in my home. You chip that mug and you're in my family, you're out of the will. (laughs) I bring this up because Sensing that you are loved and special, I think, is exactly what Mary feels like when the angel appears to her. It is a labor of love of God to her, and yet presenting a vision that goes far beyond her. So the angel appears, and she first has to get over her fear. Let's face it, angels just don't show up every day to inform you that you're going to be a virgin mother of the Messiah. But listen to the angel's words that Mary has to absorb. You heard them read to you just a little bit ago. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The uh, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! That would scare me out of my shoes. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. So he comes and he gives us the, you know, this greeting, but he uses a word that is an amazing word. He says, greetings you who are highly favored. That can actually mean the favored one. He gives her a title. I don't know what titles you use in life. Uh, maybe some of you, I mean, here's one title I never got, student of the month. Now, the good news is there was no such thing as student of the month when I went to school. Didn't exist. So I might have got it if, if it had existed. I was never called most valuable player on the teams that I played on, but I always made a contribution. I never was MVP. I never got a full ride scholarship, uh, into college. I was never in the who's who, uh, of, of, you know, American leaders. Though I found out later you can buy your way into the who's who. Okay. I usually rank somewhere between above average to outstanding. And always below outstanding. So when you look at Mary, Mary is a small town girl. She is from what we call flyover region of Israel. She's from a poor family. She's probably not the firstborn or the lastborn in the family. She's a woman in a male culture. Uh, She's a Jew in a country occupied by Roman soldiers. And she's from Nazareth. Nazareth is known for nothing. In fact, in the Gospel of John, one of the disciples say, nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. So out of this ordinary setting, she gets this title, this greeting, Hail, Favored One. And of course, she's confused. What does that mean to her? And it says, now Mary was not just confused, but it says, uses the word troubled. You see, both the messenger and the message would cause anyone of normal, you know, type of being to be very troubled. 
Everything about this greeting is out of the box. It's a once-in-a-lifetime greeting. It is totally unexpected. How do you prepare to be told by a heavenly angel that you are a favored one? There's no preparation allowed. There's no way that you can get ready for that. So she gets this greeting, and then the angel says, do not be afraid, and I'm really glad that's what angels always say first, okay? That, I mean, that's always among their first words, do not be afraid. But he repeats the same term. You have found favor with God. Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, favor with men means they look at us and they see something special about us as other people look at us. Favor with God comes from the Greek word or the Greek root from which we get the word grace. Grace from God is unmerited favor from him. And we are so unprepared for grace. We are so surprised by grace that we can be troubled by grace when it comes. Think about Mary's dreams that she probably had growing up. Uh, At this point in Mary's life, probably somewhere between the ages of 14 and 18, she understood that she would marry Joseph. She would have kids. She would raise them all in Nazareth. Now, those aren't bad dreams. The issue is God has better ones for Mary. So you look at God's dreams that Gabriel explains to her. He, he, he gives several titles for the baby that's about to be born. So he said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You're going to have a child. And this is what that child will be like. Uh, so as he gives these titles, here they are in verses 31 to 33. He says, first of all, um, you will be with child and give birth to a son. So she's going to have a son. She's going to name him Jesus. And then it says uh, in verse 32, he will be great and he will be called son of the most high. This takes a little explanation. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. Do you realize what's being promised to this poor little country girl? Do you realize the titles that are being given to the baby that's about to be born to her? And and then the questions that she has to ask? The first title of her son will be son of the most high. Son of the Most High doesn't come out of Nazareth. Son of the Most High is the title of the Messiah. Now, not every Jew believes at this time that the Messiah is going to come. But the title that refers to this uh, to this Messiah, when it says the Messiah is the Son of the Most High, it is saying this man that you will bear, this baby that you will birth, is divine. Not just cute, not just cuddly, not just yours, not just unique, divine. Not just another baby, but somehow God and Mary will be the only mother and the only father to give birth to to such a son. But it's God and Mary. Now, my guess is, even as I study it today, and I go through all the great theologians ever written on it, it's more than she can absorb because it's more than all of us can absorb. 
The next thing is that he will be a king, not just God's son, and he will be on the throne of his father David, from the line of David. And what he's going to do is restore the kingdom of David. Now, Israel has been split, and Israel has been declining for over 600 years. Uh, The good old days of Israel are now distant legends, generations and generations ago, stories that are told, but nobody is alive who's ever lived them. And Mary's son will revive the splendor of David. And it's all going to start from this little town called Nazareth. And his kingdom will never end. He's promised both to come from the line of David and Solomon and to have a kingdom that would rule for eternity, a promise that was given to David and Solomon. But we realize that over 900 years earlier, this united kingdom became a split kingdom. And then about 200 years after that, uh, there was a one half of the kingdom falls and actually disappears, is taken is taken away. And 150 years later, the second half of the kingdom is is taken into bondage and 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 shipped away in exile. So what we have here is a property that was owned and occupied by whatever empire was ruling. For the next about 550 to 600 years, it could have been the Persians, it could have been the Greeks. Uh, it was actually now at this time by Rome. So how is this kingdom going to come about? Because we've been traded off by one empire to another for the last almost a thousand years. And then it says, Mary, you're going to be the mother of this one who will restore and revitalize Israel's glory. You're going to be the king mom. That's a lot for a country girl to accept, don't you think? It would be for me as a country boy. It would be for you too. See, no matter what background you might come from, this is something that God has never done before and he will never, ever do again. He doesn't have to. It's his once in a creation plan to bring the creation back to God. So Mary is favored by God. Now that's the theology. Let's look at the psychology. Are you favored by God? Are you one who says, I am favored by God? Hold on to that thought. Hold on to that answer. Uh, We're going to tie it in a little bit later uh, when we'll fit Mary and God together. Now, as this happens, therefore, uh, we understand that there's limitations. You know, God's favor is is certainly going to happen. But we have human limitations involved. So Mary, when she hears God's great and wonderful plan, she has to ask this question. How will this be? I'm a virgin. She's had the sex talk. So she's asking for details. What the angel has revealed to her cannot happen in the physical realm. So if you read the first part of chapter 1 of of Luke, you realize that it all hinges around how that John the baptizer comes into the world. He has two uh, natural parents, human parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both are considered too old to have children. But because they're too old, their age is not too difficult for God to work. He's worked in Sarah's life. 
He's worked in Hannah's life in the Old Testament. And this time he's going to work again in the normal way. Now, Zechariah is a priest. He's on duty in the temple in Jerusalem. And of all the, you know, of all the unexpected things, there he is, uh, ministering to God in the temple. And, and he's totally caught by surprise because in God's temple, God shows up. Oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't expect you to show up, God. So he is, he's dumbfounded. He falls to his, you know, he falls down. He's, you know, and, and then this wonderful plan explained by Gabriel continues to be explained. Zechariah and Elizabeth will have a baby in their old age. And now Zechariah asks this question. How can it be? Scholars believe that what he's asking for is, I need a sign. Hey, you gave Gideon a sign. You gave Abraham a sign. You gave Hezekiah a sign. I'd like a sign. So he's asking for a sign, and Gabriel says, well, you're going to get one. You won't be talking for the next nine months. There's your sign. (laughs) Now, I... I think I'd go back and say, can we negotiate this? I got a book, okay? And, and the book is called The Art of the Deal. Let's go back and let's start all over again and begin. No, this is the way it happens. Mary is seeking the details as she has not been with Joseph and will not be with Joseph, and yet she's still supposed to get pregnant. So the details are this, and it's astounding, friends. It is astounding. This is what Gabriel says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Listen to these two wonderful phrases. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Remember, he's the son of the Most High. Same same wording used. Will overshadow you. You see the tenderness and the love of God in this process? So the Holy One... Uh, to be born to you will be called the Son of God. So God's favor of Mary looks like this. She is the mother. Mary is the mother. But God the Holy Spirit, who does the bidding of God the Father, is the Father. This baby will be, uh, this baby named Jesus is both holy and human. He is otherworldly and worldly. And he will be called the Son of God. Now, he always has been the Son of God by the Father's side for eternity. But now he's going to appear to us and be the Son of God in the flesh so we can know what God is like. You explain this, you read it, and for those of you not just skeptical, but those of you who live by reason, you have some questions. We have a limitation of understanding things in the spiritual realm because they're in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm. We don't daily see many things happen to us out of the physical realm. So we are limited in our minds. That's the first limitations with God's favor. We don't understand how it can work. We do not understand it. We don't know how God does his work. But next we are limited in You know, we cannot control the human responses that will come to Mary. The people of Nazareth haven't seen this angel. As far as Nazareth Nazareth is concerned and all its townspeople, all babies are conceived in the same way. So Mary, 
by being pregnant, will have the reputation of a sinner. And her son will be gossiped about throughout the town as the town bastard. And Mary is limited also in her faith, just like all of us. When asked to go beyond our expectations and our limitations and our reputations, how do we respond to God? When he asks us to go beyond our limitations in faith. She doesn't ask for a sign, but God gives her, you might say, an hors d'oeuvre, a little tidbit, a little, a little finger food. Because he says, now to encourage you in this, verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month. And he ends with this, for nothing is impossible with God. Six months along, her first child, Elizabeth, in her old age, Elizabeth is also favored by God. Are you favored by God? Are you? Do you sense God's favor on you? Not going to answer that yet. Hold on to it. We'll get back to it. But he leaves her with this. I've told you what's going to happen. You're not going to feel it immediately, but it's going to be growing on you and growing in you because nothing, Mary, is impossible for God. And then Mary gives her response and the angel leaves. And Mary, deep within her soul, believes what God has just told her. You see, God's favor and what that means to us has to become one of our core values. It has to become a part of our our internal identity. God's plan is laid out. How long do you think this event took? I think less than 10 minutes. Now, 10 minutes with any angel is more than enough time for me. But probably less than 10 minutes. You can read it in less than two. So... There might have been, I don't think there was a whole lot of chit-chat. I don't think angels do that. But uh, the, the introduction is given. The plan is given. The question is asked. Uh, the titles are given of what this child will be. Uh, and, and you know, the, the idea of, you know, here's a sign that I'm giving to you. And now it's time for Mary to respond. And she says yes to God's favor. She says yes to God. She declares that she is all in. And she calls herself the Lord's servant. That means that what God says, she believes. What God commands, she does. Not knowing all the reasons or the ramifications that will be involved, she just gives her yes to God. So let's now connect the dots. You will not be asked to do anything like Mary. That's been done. It's all over. Never will needs to be repeated. God the Son has become, has come, and He is God the Savior to us. So, with that already accomplished, how are you favored by God? How does Mary example being impregnated by the Holy Spirit tie in with you as you live a fairly normal life? I think there's at least Two things worth looking at. And you were favored by God. I just want to say this. If you say yes to two of the invitations that I think God is giving to each of us. But I'd like to play a very short video 
this, this is a portion of the video that you can be seeing um, this week as you go on to uh, look at the Christmas experience. This is the end of the video. Why did God choose Mary? Why did he choose this poor teenage girl from a nothing town? Well, it's the same reason God chose to come to earth in the form of a baby. It's the same reason he chose to be born in a lowly barn. It's the same reason God chose to have the earthly profession of a carpenter. It's the same reason that he chose the tax collectors and the fishermen to be his disciples. And it's the same reason God chose you. And it's the same reason he chose me. Because we are not qualified and we are not deserving. Like Mary, we are simply humble servants who have received an incredible gift. Like Mary, we are simply humble servants who have received an incredible gift. Why Mary would be the same question as why us. I think you are favored by God in at least two ways. This is common favor, but it is very, very special. Unexpected And to be cherished. The first way that we are favored is we have received an invitation to place our trust in Jesus Christ. The one for whom we are described as God's only son and man's only savior. You have received that invitation. And the issue is, have you crossed the line of faith yet? Where you can say, I'm favored by God because as I cross that line, uh, something, some spiritual transaction occurred in me. It's not that I feel any different, but something has actually happened in me. It is something that God has done. Here at Bergen Park Church, I'm finding also a lot of people say, you know, I crossed the line as a, as a younger person, but then I, I think I've sort of been straddling it or stepped the other way. I, I got caught in the culture. I got caught in, in materialism. I, I got caught in, in the physical realm, and I've sort of lost my way. And now I'm coming back, and I feel like wherever I am, it's time to, to say once again, I'm recrossing the line. Or I'm putting both feet on that side of faith. God's invitation to you is to be saved because that's why Jesus came. And you're going to be saved from, not physical pain, but you're going to be saved from the penalty of your sins. That's what our Savior does. How are you favored? You're favored by God. If when he offers to you forgiveness and eternal life through his Son, you have said, yes to God, I am your servant. You look at Jesus, not even as a miracle, but as the Savior and as the leader of your life. The second way in which you're favored by God is he says, I'd like to use you. I'd like you to use you for my purposes. Not just for your purposes, not for your family purposes, and not for any dreams that you've had. But I want 
to use you for my purposes. I want you to have a mission in life. This is how God deploys you for his purposes. And it may be very surprising. Like Mary. I mean, she wouldn't have guessed this in a gazillion years. And sometimes God surprises us. Other times it's very natural. Now, surprises. If you would have looked at me 50 years ago and you would have said, Jim, you're going to be in professional ministry, I would have looked at you in the eye and said, there's no money in that. There's no way I'm going to do that. Especially if it means I have to stand in front of people. 40 years ago, if you would have looked at me and said, you're going to have a ministry overseas, I would have said, no. I'm going to have a ministry in Newport Beach, California. And that'll be fine. I've already made my plans. And then I find myself overseas time and time again. Well, that's the unnatural ways. That's the surprising ways. And it's wonderful when we say, it just blew me out of the water. I had no idea. But there's also very natural ways. By natural, I mean you have a a wealth of experience as you grow older. You have abilities and talents. Uh, You you, you have um, uh, also passions in your life. You put all those together, and sometimes there's going to be an invitation or an opportunity given to you, and you say, I don't know why, but this seems to fit me. My heart is moved, and I want to take part. It may be a ministry in your church. It may be a ministry in your community or uh, just a a ministry somewhere in the area where you can go. And here's your response. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've invited. Now, watch out for titles. Watch out for saying, I'm the Lord's leader. Watch out for the title of, I'm the Lord's visionary. Watch out for the title, I'm the Lord's deep pocket. Just use the title, I'm the Lord's servant. And let him take you where he wants you to go. He got me here. He showed me an opportunity. He touched my heart. And I have to say, nothing is impossible with God. So as you come to Christmas, what has been both unexpected and cherished? Unexpected yet cherished. Mary had a visit. But for us, we have an invitation. An invitation first to faith in Christ and an invitation to service for Christ. I think that's worth praying about, shall we? Almighty God, how we thank you. We thank you in remembrance of the supernatural way in which you worked. It blew Mary away. I I would have no idea what it would be like if you appeared to me. But we also understand that you're not out to blow everyone away. To become a member of your family, a citizen of your kingdom. You make an invitation. Place your faith in my son. And you will have forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. And then place your faith in my son and follow him.
And you will have a mission where you are touching lives for me. Not for yourself. Not for any trophy that you will get. But for me.